We will be in Luke chapter 22, 39 through 42. We're spending four weeks in this short little passage to focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus. And specifically to prepare us for Good Friday and to prepare us for Easter. We've been looking at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. So Luke 22, 39 through 42. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's as far as we'll go this morning. There is a bulletin, uh, an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. In that. Last week we began this series with the first step in the prayer in the garden. And the first step in the prayer in the garden was this you need to go to the garden. You need to go to the garden. We sounded like a big sky realtor last Monday. Location, location, location. That's what we said, okay? And what we said was we want to look at the habit of Jesus. And the habit of Jesus in this passage is that he went as usual, as was the Greek word there, his ethos, who he was. It was as usual. It was his habit. It's what he did. It's who he was. He went as usual to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a place that the disciples were familiar with. This is a place that Jesus is familiar with. It's a place that he often went to in the book of John. It actually talks about Jesus going to this garden. And none of the disciples are are surprised by this move. Jesus goes to this garden often to pray. And so he he goes to a place where he can be free from distractions. He goes to a place where he can find uh, silence and solitude. He goes to a specific place where he can be with his father. He goes to the garden. And so we last week were challenged to find our own prayer garden. And I hope you took that serious this week. I hope you took serious the thought that maybe I need to find a specific place and a specific time to go and meet with Jesus on a regular basis. I think this could be transformational for some of you. I was going over my notes uh, from last week and just thinking about this, and I really do believe that for some of you, this could be transformational for your prayer life. We've said we want to get better at prayer. That's part of what we want to do. We want to get better at prayer, and so for For some of us, this could be really important. That we take the time to think about where can I go to not be distracted and to focus on the voice of my Father clearly. Where is that place? 
Is it, is it somewhere on the mountain where you, you can hike to or you can ski to and you've got this little special prayer garden where you meet with Jesus? Is it somewhere maybe in the canyon, somewhere beautiful under a tree where you sit and you can talk to Jesus? I told you I got this hammock that I just wear out every summer, right? I tie it between any two trees I can find. I sit in that hammock and that is my prayer garden all the time. I actually heard a cool story on the back end of uh, talking about John Wesley last week, and, and I, what I, one of the things is that I heard about John Wesley and Charles Wesley is that his mom used to take her apron, put it over her head when like her eight children, I think, were running around the house, and they knew when she had apron over her head, don't bom- bother mama, she's in her prayer closet. She's in her prayer garden. So um, I know we don't wear aprons anymore, right? But like if I had an apron, I'd pull it up, wear it over my head, right, to go to my prayer garden. You've got to find a specific place where you're going to seek out Jesus. That's why this place is so inspirational for some of you, right? So when you come in here, you look at this view, and you, you feel this sense, this awe of God. You're inspired by God. So it, whether it's outdoors, whether it's indoors, in a quiet corner in your home, where you say, this is my chair for spending time with my Father. This is my chair in the corner. I make a cup of coffee. I pull out my Bible and my prayer journal. And I sit in that chair on a regular basis. Whatever it needs to be for you. I want you to spend some time. Get really serious about this. And then show up on a regular basis. I think this could be transformational for us. And we think about other patterns in our life like this. Much more seriously than we do about talking to God the Father. And I think it's time for us to take this serious. We take serious where we work out. We take serious where we work, we take serious uh, where our kids play soccer or basketball or we, we ski lessons or whatever. We take all these locations very seriously. You bought or rented your house, maybe just because it was the only place you could get into it, Big Sky, but um, some of you bought it because of the location. You spent a pile of money and a pile of time. Some of you built your own houses even to say, I, I want to make this place specific for my specific needs. And so please take this serious, go to the garden. And then we said show up regularly, right? Show up regularly at that garden. It needs to become habit, routine. We don't want our gardens to become overgrown with weeds. We don't want them not tended to. We want our prayer gardens a place that we often go to, that we take care of, that we nurture, that we're there on a regular basis. And so, um, so now, after last week, you have a place... And you have a habit, right? This is good. We have a place and we have a habit. And, and so you might say, and this is a good question, well, what do I do when I get there? Maybe you actually went and took that step and said, I'm going to find a place and I'm going to make it a regular routine. And maybe you showed up there this week and you thought, now what, Pastor Brian? It's a great question. And I want to talk about the second step this morning. The second step this morning is this. Get into the proper posture. Get into the proper posture. I want to talk about the posture of prayer this morning, right? Posture is how you, how you present yourself, how your body is. Do you stand up straight, you know, with your, with your chest out? How is your posture, right? I've been told sometimes that I kind of slouch a little bit. Maybe you've been told that too. Some of you maybe have been told you walk a little funny. I, I was told that as well, right? Um, but what is your posture of prayer? That's what I want to focus on this morning. And I want to look at verse 41 specifically. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. That is the disciples. 
He knelt down and prayed. So picture this. We're in the garden. You saw a picture of it. That's actually a picture of the, the garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Mount of Olives up there as well in the background. Right? So he's in this beautiful garden. And he withdraws about a stone's throw away from his disciples. He says, hey, you guys stay over here. Pray that you don't fall into temptation, right? Just stay over here. I'm going to go over here. So he's out a stone's throw away, right? He's within earshot of them, but he's a little ways away. So he withdrew. And then what did he do? He knelt down and prayed. He did something physical, Right? He knelt on his knees in, on the ground in this garden to pray to his father. And so I want to look at these two things, withdrawing and kneeling down. That's what I want to look at this morning to help us get in the proper posture of prayer. So two aspects of the proper posture. Number one. Number one. He withdrew about a stone's throw away from his disciple. Points us to this. That what Jesus wanted to do in terms of posture is he wanted to approach his father personally. That's your first point. He wanted to approach the father personally. And here's what I mean by that. He didn't stand in the middle of them and say, let's all hold hands. I'm going to use big words because I'm a professional prayer. And I'm going to pray an eloquent prayer to the Father above that you're going to be really taken aback at. You're going to think this is awesome, right? He didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, we're going to do popcorn prayer. Anybody who wants to pray, pray, and I'll finish it up. He didn't do that, right? Um, he, he He didn't stay right there with them. He went away. He withdrew from them. A stone's throw away. So imagine, if you're the disciples, he draws away, and you can maybe barely hear what he's saying, right? You can maybe make out what he's saying under his breath, but but he's not with you at the moment. He withdrew from them. He's not with them at the moment. And what this signifies is that he goes in a very personal way to spend time with his father, um, so there was another time when Jesus was engaging with these religious leaders and, and he was talking about prayer with his disciples, kind of in view of these religious leaders. And in Matthew, he said this, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, or the Brian translation would say prayer garden, right? Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Pray to your Father who is unseen. This is right before Jesus gives him the Lord's Prayer. And he looks around and he says, listen, see these religious leaders who stand on the street corners? Uh, the, the common practice was that they would actually like blow horns sometimes to let everybody know, now I'm going to pray, okay? And then they would make some huge proclamation and they would go on and on and on. You ever been at somebody's house where it's Thanksgiving? And you're like, hey, can you so-and-so pray? And you know they're the long prayer, right? And they're not really praying, but sometimes in their prayer, they're trying to like make a point instead of talking to Jesus, right? They're like, and please help my kids to behave better and listen to me like they didn't do this morning. You ever heard one of those prayers, right? 
And they go on and on and on. We, we used to have a name for this when I used to be young and we used to go to church. We used to call it the long prayer. Anybody know the long prayer when the elder would get up? And it'd be like long prayer, right? So he says, don't be like that. Come to me personally. Don't make a proclamation of this. Don't be, don't be bragging to people how much you pray. Don't be talking about how much you pray. Nobody needs to know this. I just need to know this. This is between you and me. In between you and everybody else. You need to come to me personally. And this is why I believe Jesus withdrew from his disciples. This is a moment where Jesus goes, Listen, you're involved in this, but this is between me and my Father. We have to do some business here. We have to talk about some very serious things because I'm about to be betrayed, crucified, and then rise from the grave. And I need to have a really intimate moment with my Father in heaven. And so when we pray, right, you pick your prayer garden, you pick a time, and then you show up personally. You show up intimately. You, you come and say, this is who I am, God. Good, bad, otherwise. This is who I am. I want to come to you. I don't want to make a big show of it. I don't want to use big words. Some of you have fallen in the trap that you think, I can't pray very well because I don't know big words. Jesus' prayer, when he teaches the disciples how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? These are simple words. Jesus didn't teach them to learn this, you know, five paragraph, perfectly etched out, you know, prayer that was just eloquent and excellent. No, he taught them a very simple prayer that basically said, hey, when you approach God, say the word daddy. When, 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 when Jesus says our father in heaven, the word there is Abba, which is the word for daddy. It's like a little kid saying Abba, 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 dada, 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 right? He says, come personally. You don't need to make a show. You don't need new big words. Um, You don't need other people to know about it. You don't need to talk about it. This is personal. So approach God personally. Just you and Him. And this is more a posture of the heart than it is of the body. Okay? So this is a hard one to see, but this is more of a posture of the heart, right? You can actually pray in a crowd of people and come personally to God, right? I mean, we're going to have a a, a moment to do communion later. And that's a very personal moment. We all get to share in that moment, right? But for you, that should be a very personal moment. A moment where even if it's just in your head and your heart, you can kind of go to your prayer closet, you can go to your prayer garden, and you can spend time with Jesus personally because He knows you. He made you. He loves you. You are known. And so, come open-hearted to the Father. This is the posture. This is part of the posture. The first aspect of the proper posture. Come personally. Number two, come physically. The proper posture of prayer is to come physically. So Jesus kneels down, right? This is a very physical act, right? He's either kneeling like this or he's probably kneeling all the way down on the ground like this, right? He might be kneeling all the way down. I have a friend who just got ordained in the Anglican church. And when they ordain the pastors there, they make them lay prostrate on the floor, right? I'm glad you guys didn't make me do that um, when, I, when I took the call here. But um, they, they make them lay there in, in all the way down on the ground, full in the body sense, bowing before the Father. 
See, kneeling isn't as much of a posture of the heart, is it? It's a posture of the body, right? It's a physical act in nature. And part of what it does for us is it removes this dualistic thinking that I think sometimes creeps into our culture and into our thoughts, which is this. There are spiritual things, and then there are non-spiritual things. We, We sometimes think that, right? Like, when I'm praying, I'm being spiritual, and when I'm working, Jesus doesn't need to know about it, right? Or, or maybe I just need to ask for Jesus' approval every once in a while. We don't see prayer and worship in the same category, but, but worship, uh, work I mean, work is worship. And prayer is worship. And sometimes we get this all messed up that when I'm going to church or I'm in, in a small group with other Christians and I'm doing spiritual things, but when I go skiing or ride my bike or how I drive my car down the canyon is very not spiritual, right? Especially depending upon the driver in front or behind me can be less spiritual every minute, every mile, correct? And so there's this dualistic thinking that sometimes we have that says there's these spiritual things that are good and then that the body is bad somehow. And this has crept into culture over thousands of years and and Jesus breaks this barrier down by saying, no, 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 I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to do something physical. Prayer is something that you do with all of yourself. That's the point. It's what you do with all of yourself. Romans 12, verse 1 says it this way. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. You don't just offer offer your mind to God. You don't just offer your heart to God. You offer all of yourself to God. Your mind, your heart, your emotions, your body, your finances, your kids, your job, everything belongs to God. And and so we offer ourselves, and and, and Jesus takes a physical, he takes a, a physical posture here, and kneeling is an act of what? It's an act of humility, right? It's, it's quite literally saying, right? I kneel. Somebody standing here. You're higher than me. That's what it's saying, correct? You're higher than me. I'm lower than you. You're above me. I'm below you. You're up here and I'm down here. It's an act of humility. It's saying you're in, you're in authority. You're in charge. You are God and I am not. And so practically, when it comes to this in the prayer garden, I think we should think about the physicality of prayer. I really do. Once again, I think this could be something transformational. I think some, some of you, like little trinkets throughout this series are going to hit you, and this might be one for somebody here, right? The physical posture of how you pray, I believe, is important, right? So, um, John Wesley, I just can't get this story out of my head. <clears throat> In, in, in the Methodist uh, Museum over in England, in his old house, in the floor, are indentations on the floor from where they believe he knelt over and over and over again. He wore holes into the wooden floor because he knelt before the Father so much. Do you think that had an effect on his prayer life? I mean, come on. I mean, think about the physical act of kneeling down on wood that many times. In itself, it's just going to keep you awake, right? 
And so practically, um, when we pray to the, come to the prayer garden, I think we should think of the physical nature of how we pray. Um, anybody, let's be honest, okay? Anybody like to pray falling asleep in bed at night? Anybody do that? You're like, I'm going to pray now. Okay. <laughs> Anybody fall asleep during that quite often? Can we just be, I'm, I'm in the club. I'm raising my hand not to help you. I'm just saying I'm part of that club, right? Where I have really good intentions and I'm like, oh God, I'm just going to talk to you. Thank you for this day. And that's over, right? This is done with. Um, it, it's really hard to do that if I would be kneeling at my bed, wouldn't it be? I mean, I'm laying down, I'm on a soft, cushy pillow, and I want to talk to Jesus, and man, I fall asleep. And listen, for some of you, that's actually an awesome practice. I actually love falling asleep talking to Jesus. I wish I could fall asleep talking to Jesus and wake up talking to Jesus every single day, right? That's a good practice. But I want us to embrace that our, our habits should be intentional. They shouldn't be accidental. They shouldn't fit into our comfort. They should be intentional. We should come to the prayer garden. We should come on our own. And we should get into a position that may not be necessarily comfort- comfortable to us. So this is, why, this is why we teach our kids to fold their hands and close their eyes at the Vineps house. We teach our kids, fold your hands, close your eyes, and then we're going to pray. Because we want you to focus. And your three and five-year-old minds don't focus very well. Okay? So we want you to close your eyes. We want you to fold your hands. And we want you to approach the Father with us um, so that you can focus in on the Father. Um, some of my own practices. Sometimes when I pray, I will hold my hands out almost like a cup, especially when I'm receiving prayer, when I feel like I'm just sitting there and I want to receive something from God. I don't always receive it, but if I have some moment in my life where I'm like, I just need to hear the voice of God. I need some, I need some direction right now. Oftentimes I'll come and when I pray, I'll hold my hands out. I'll cup them in front of me just to, just to symbolize God. I want to receive whatever you have. Maybe, maybe it's that in prayer, you raise your hands. Some of you are hand raisers. Some of you are not right. Um, I get that. But raising your hands, like for me, when, when I raise my hands, um, there's part of it is surrender, right? This is a very vulnerable position. I surrender to you, God. Um, this move right here also reminds me, at least in my head, I visualize the way that my three and five-year-old look up at me and say, pick me up, Dad, because there's some days where I wish Jesus would just pick me up and take care of me because I'm not having a great day, right? Um, what about this? Um, intentionally slowing down your breathing. We did this a couple weeks ago when we had our prayer summit. And I said, don't worry, this isn't weird. This is, this is okay, right? This is good. Um, slow down your breathing. Your heart rate's going to come down. It's even good for your health. So some of you should just do it in general, right? Because you're stressed out. And take 10 or 20 or 30 big breaths and just stop. Slow down, right? When do you get this, right? You're with me. You're so with me on this. You're so, I'm listening to your yoga class through the, through the vet. <laughs> I'm stealing my sermons from your class. Yes. Um, you need to engage yourself, your entire self in prayer. Does that make sense? So um, we need to get in the proper posture um, in two ways, right? We need to get in the proper posture personally and physically. And I want to give you a picture of prayer. 
to close up. The kids will be here in a few minutes, and then we will um, have a moment to do this. There's the, here's the picture of prayer. The picture of prayer is approaching the king's throne. Approaching the king's throne. Okay? So Jesus kneels down, and maybe that seems weird, but it's a very natural thing to do if you're in front of a throne. And a couple years back... All right, here come the kids. Come on in, kids. I'm going to talk about Ivan the Terrible. He was awesome. Um, a couple years ago, I went to Russia on a mission trip, and I got to uh, spend some time in an orphanage there and hanging out with kiddos and loving them and teaching them about Jesus. Uh, what I also got to do was go to the Russian armory in Moscow, which was pretty amazing. I mean, it was just these huge, ornate, beautiful works of art and... Um, those eggs, the Fabergé eggs, real Fabergé eggs are incredible. And then they had this big display of thrones for the czars and the royalty of Russia. And when I think about Russia, I don't think about like beautiful, ornate things. I think about Russia. I don't know. Anybody else, right? And so I got in front of this and I stood right in front of this this throne. This is Ivan the Terrible Throne. Your mom's downstairs, bro. She's downstairs. She's downstairs. I got you. Okay. She's doing nursery. All right. This is Ivan the Terrible Throne. Etched completely out of ivory. 100% out of ivory. Pure, pure white, right? For like the most evil man, one of the most evil men in Russian history. Do you know what happened when people got in front of this? They literally lost their heads, right? Like I know it's gross, right? There's a lot of people that were put to death. I like having the kids back in here. This makes it much more fun. <laughs> there were lots of people put to death right in front of this throne because this throne was a throne like many other thrones. It was often a throne of judgment, right? It was a throne of judgment. People would come in front of the throne. They would kneel down. They would say, you're higher than me. I'm lower than you. You're in authority of me. What's your judgment? And oftentimes, Ivan the Terrible would say, you're done. My judgment is guilty on whatever it is. You're done. Your life is over right now. And so, so much blood was spilled in front of that throne. And as I stood in front of that throne, I kind of trembled. Like I was trying to, I was like thinking about other people who stood in front of this throne, like there was part of me that was like, maybe I should just kneel. I don't know. Like, I don't know. So there's two pieces to this approaching the throne. One, Isaiah gets a vision of God on his throne. And the, the vision scares him to death. He sees God on his throne. And do you know what his, what his response is? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Translation, I'm about to die. Right? God is holy. I am not. I'm in front of God's throne. I'm about to receive judgment. God gives him mercy in that moment. He makes him a a voice piece of God. Um, But his first reaction is, woe is me. And when we approach the throne, part of why we take the proper posture is because we are not God. And because judgment belongs to him. And we are in the wrong, and he is in the right. But the second part of it is this, and this is what I want to to land on. Ephesians 3, 12 and 14 says this. 
In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. For this reason, I kneel before my Father. Because Jesus died upon the cross. Because of that, we have freedom and confidence to withdraw and to kneel before the throne. And so here's the big question. When will we approach the throne this week? When will we approach the throne? You can obviously get the imagery here this morning, right? Some of you came in and are like, why is that big old fancy chair sitting up there and Pastor Brian's going to preach off to the side? I'm going to give you an opportunity to approach the throne right now. And I want to engage you and encourage you to approach the throne throughout this week, to go to your prayer garden and to, to go and take the proper posture in front of God. And here's what I want you to recognize. As you approach this throne, as you approach this chair, maybe it helps you to visualize, you know, visualize that God is sitting here. And that you're approaching the throne. And that you're approaching the throne with freedom and confidence. Because guess what? You're going to get a judgment. You're going to get a judgment. The judgment you deserve is death. But Jesus dies so that we may have life. So that we get in front of this seat and we kneel before this seat and God looks at us, knows all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our fault, and He says, not guilty. You're free. And you're confident of that. And so that's what this meal is all about this morning. This meal is about the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus shed for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so this meal this morning is, is an opportunity for you to approach the throne. And maybe you want to raise your hands. And maybe you want to cup your hands. And maybe, maybe you want to kneel down as you take this meal. You need to do this personally. You need to withdraw from everybody else in the room unless you're a kid. And you need to talk to your parents about whether or not you can take this or should take this. Alright? You're going to come up here. You're going to take a piece of the bread. Or you're going to take one of the wafers. You're going to dip it into the the red juice or the blood of Jesus, right? And you're going to take this and you're going to remember that you can approach the mercy seat because it's a mercy seat. A seat where we find freedom, where we find life, and where we find forgiveness. So, um, as the worship team comes and plays this beautiful song for us, I would just encourage you to take a moment. When you're ready, withdraw, come approach the throne personally, physically, with all of yourself. With all of yourself, receive what Jesus has done for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of salvation, for the gift of grace, for the gift of mercy, that while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. Thank you, God, that we can come before this throne um, humbly, with a bit of healthy fear in our hearts because of what we have done. And that even through this meal, God, you would remind us that we are free, that we are forgiven, and that we can come to you whenever we want to. Jesus, thank you for modeling this for us, for showing us how to approach your throne. 
And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you're ready, on your own time.